Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. This is the Future Tech Podcast. I'm Alan Thomas. Today, I've got Eric Boduk, co-founder of Pindo, with me. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Oh, good to have you. You know, and we'll just we'll just jump on into it. What is Pendo and what do you guys do? Sure. So so Pendo is a product cloud. We help product teams deliver software that their users love. So you can think about us as combining user insights and analytics with in-app messaging. And the goal of that is to help our customers better understand and guide their users. So to go into a little bit more detail on Pendo, only integrated proud product cloud in the market. Uh, so unlike, say, point solutions, what we can do is bring together usage analytics, user feedback, and we can do that across web and mobile applications. We can help you capture user behavior in your products, uh, allowing you to analyze it at any time. We allow you to visually tag your product, so there's no need for writing instrumentation code or doing any of that. Uh, we give you the ability to personalize all your in-app messaging, and you can do that based upon your user's profile, their behavior, their sentiment. We summarize data so that you can visualize and look for patterns at both a customer and an individual user level. And then finally, we integrate with a lot of the other tools that you'd have in your inter- in your enterprise. So you can think of us as kind of the product repository or the system of record for product, and then we can connect with other tools you might have like Salesforce on the CRM side or Zendesk on the support side or things like Slack on the communication side. Oh, so you could actually, uh, so you could actually use your guys' product as a Swiss Army knife, I guess. 
Yes, yes. You can you can think of us as kind of the go-to resource for product managers and for product data to be consumed by other parts of the organization. And so your main focus is, is pretty much institutions or retail or, or particular types of companies? or So our general focus is anyone building software products. So if you're building it as a commercial software product or you're building it, say, internally, say you're a bank uh, with your online banking system, you could be a user of Pendo. If you're someone like uh, Salesforce or Optimizely, you are a user of Pendo. Okay. And, and let's talk a little bit about the, the start of the company. How long has Pendo been around? How was it formed? Sure. So we're, we're almost five years now. So let me, let me rephrase that. Uh, Pendo is almost five years old now. So I guess we are almost five if you think about Pendo as having <laughs> you know, years of age, like a little kid. Uh, we're quickly growing up. Uh, we're about 100 people now, much smaller than we were when we were initially born. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the reason we started, that's a great question. So it was a group of us product managers who got together and we were talking about working on a company together. In fact, Todd Olson, our CEO, and I first got together, always wanted to work together again. Uh, started talking about different things that were painful for us in our past careers. And one of the things that came up was as product leaders, getting access to how our products were being used was always difficult. You know, pulling engineers out to instrument your product uh, so you can get data on how your users were using it was, was hard because you had to justify pulling them off, you know, other kind of key features or big issues. Uh, and you had to do it just for the purpose of getting data on how your existing customers were using your product. So it was, it was a harder thing to justify. And so we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could build a product that we would use? And one of the key tenets of it has to be, you know, it has to be usable by product managers and has to be, you know, usable in a way that doesn't require, you know, engineering resources. So we have a little snippet of code, you insert it in your product, and then we capture everything. So everything someone does inside your product, every page they click on, every link they click on, how they navigate, how they accomplish, we capture all of that. We don't print form fields uh, for PII reasons, but we capture everything else that's done in the product. And the awesome thing about that for me as a, as a past product person is that I don't have to get engineers to instrument things. I don't have to see often people use this feature can you get this in the next sprint? Um, I can just capture everything and then decide later what's important to me. And I can do it without requiring engineering resources. So as soon as we got that done, started getting great data, started thinking about, well, this is awesome information. We see all these areas of our product that we can improve. You know, we see these areas where our users need guidance. And then we started thinking, well, how can I do this now instead of waiting for developers or, or our, the rest of our teams to improve the product? Maybe I could guide the day. So we decided to add in this in-app messaging component, this ability to guide you right away. So you can learn something cool about your product. Say, maybe say, okay, click here, and we'll teach you right now inside your product how to do this, how to accomplish this task of setting up a staging service. So that was quickly kind of the, the second piece of the product that got born. So really the, 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 the whole company ended up being born because out of that need to be able to not get bogged down in the workflow. You, you needed that extra tool. Yes, absolutely. We said, hey, how can we make engineers more efficient, right? How can they not have to worry about this instrumentation part, which isn't super exciting, I think, for them? Uh, and how can we put all this power back in the hands of the product team and in the hands of the product managers? Uh, and then how can we give them tools to act on that? So from there, we started becoming what we like to think of, you know, as this whole product cloud, the system of record for product, 
you know, really giving and building tools purely for product teams to make their lives better, tied that into our overall mission, which is to, you know, improve society's experiences with software. So we like to say, you know, we make our decisions based upon is, is doing this in our company, is it going to make product managers' lives better? Are we going to be able to help them create great products by doing this? And we, we use that as a, as a guiding star. So I guess that would be your, your ultimate mission statement then in terms of, like you said, making, making life better for product managers and for creators, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, from a mission perspective, we try to look at the grand overview of like, can we make society's experiences better with software, right? We've all suffered with bad software experience, whether it's from, <laughs> you know, booking airline tickets or trains in France. Uh, to, you know, everyday things. You've suffered with some old interfaces that you try to accomplish a task and you just can't figure it out and you, and you suffer because of it. We just want to make things seamless. We want to make people's experiences better. Uh, and we do that by being the best friend of product managers. We want to enable them, make their job way easier than it is, and help them create software that their customers love. And so when you're talking with these product managers, let's say they they have that existing interface that's been around for a few years and that everybody's used to, but let's say for some reason it's just it's just not it's just not making it anymore. And so is is the easier thing to build a new one from scratch or to just revamp what you already have? So it it could it, it's hard to say. It could be either. I, I would say it's a transition either way. One of the things you can do quickly is take your existing interface and provide guidance on top of it, right? You can help your users accomplish tasks. If they struggle because they the workflow for building a landing page, for instance, isn't intuitive, you can actually guide them through it and make sure that they step through it in the right way. Uh, as you're doing that, you know, with something like Pendo installed, you can also be capturing the data. You can look and figure out what tasks, what jobs do my users struggle with? Do they, you know, struggle with building landing pages? Okay, let's fix that. But maybe they don't struggle with, say, you know, sending out uh, email campaigns, right? So maybe that workflow is good. So you can identify things that are working and not working in your product. And then as you revamp or rebuild from scratch, you can use that data to understand better what areas need to be improved and what ones are working pretty well. Okay. And, and if I'm, let's say I'm a product manager who's, who's coming to Pindo, this is the first day. Well, what can I expect in terms of, I guess, getting involved or the onboarding process, getting started with it? Sure. I mean, one of the big things Pendo is used for is for onboarding. Uh, so similarly, we have an onboarding experience that'll take you through how to set up the product, how to visually tag your pages, how to use different portions uh, of our product to look at uh, data that might be important to you, how to deploy things like net promoter score surveys. Um, all that we will take you through. Oh, okay. So so you, you literally walk the person all the way through it to make sure that they can get the most out of it right at the outset. Yes, we use our own product to build onboarding guides. So one of the benefits of Pendo is effectively onboarding users and getting them to real value quickly. So we do that for our customers and then we enable our customers for their customers. Ah, I got it. And so getting to this point with Pendo, what are some of the challenges that maybe you've encountered just getting to this point? Uh, as far as growing the company, you know, Always, yes. Always challenges in growing a company. Uh, we started a company in Raleigh, which I think is a, a superpower. I think it's been described for us now. But it was definitely a challenge in the beginning, getting brand net recognition out of Raleigh, say, being as opposed to being based, say, in Silicon Valley, a little bit harder. Uh, getting exposure to the right group of investors that can really help you grow uh, at executive employees. 
I think there's a little bit of a challenge in the beginning. Uh, but once things are growing, once you have super happy customers, once you have you know growth rates that that are uh, best in class, that those portions get a lot easier. Uh, so we definitely had challenges in the beginning. We still have challenges today. You know, there's we we got some wonderful investors. Uh, latest investors include you know Meritech, Spark, Battery Ventures. So some really solid investors. Our, our early investors, Contour. Uh, Core Capital Partners, among others, uh, Idea Fund, uh, which is a, a North Carolina-based investment company, it's now broadening out into other areas. Uh, so we had some great investors, both early and later. Some really prominent to us. One of the big challenges we have today is just executing, scaling, and, and hiring the right people to be able to do that. So challenge, you know, go to market and salespeople, and also just find, finding the engineers you need to continue to build, you know, a best-in-class product. And I know you mentioned a little bit about that proximity to Silicon Valley. And, and of course, we, we hear that thrown a lot, around a lot on this podcast. But, but with, when you think about the global nature of a lot of the products and services that these companies build, I mean, I guess it seems like in the future, will that really matter as much, the proximity to Silicon Valley uh, in well, the next I, few I think years? It matters in- I think it matters in some ways and doesn't matter in others. There's and there's positives and negatives, right? Um, because we are based in Raleigh, North Carolina, getting excellent investors to kick the company off was maybe a little bit harder than it would have been if we were based in Silicon Valley. Uh, finding some of those early engineers might have been a little bit easier, especially with our existing connection uh, and contact. Um, you know, as we're entering kind of this growth and scale phase, you know, it's. I imagine much easier for us to hire employees in North Carolina than it would be if we were based in, in San Francisco and hiring mainly in San Francisco. Um, at the same time as you scale, you can open other offices. We have a San Francisco office. We have a New York office. Uh, we have offices internationally. We acquired a company called Insert for, on the mobile side, and they're the basis of our, our office in Israel. So. You know, as you continue to expand, some of those proximity issues become less, you know, less of an issue. Like we don't have the investor issue now. That, that's not affecting our our proximity does not affect investors. Uh, but we have growth in customers to, to point to, right? You know, when you're when you're growing three or four x a year, uh, you know, it definitely helps raise your profile uh, and makes it a little bit easier on the investment side. Still a challenge to hire. You know, but at the same time, it's, it's definitely easier than if we were based in Silicon. Definitely, I definitely get that. And and, and of course, we've talked a little bit about the the, the challenges of, of putting putting these pieces together. But what are else, what are some of the main achievements that come to mind, or big wins that come to mind so far? And and and, and whether that means putting together the company or or just getting the service itself out there. Well, I think a few things. We've been blessed with having some amazing customers that seem really happy with our products. So they've been awesome. The, the achievements in working with some of the customers we've been able to work with is great. Um, to highlight some of their successes, right? We helped Henry Shine, right, which you wouldn't think of as a typical uh, software company uh, or a purely software company, but we helped them in, increase their loyalty, right? When they worked with us on the NPS side, we helped them do a few things, right? We help them increase the response rates by 100%. Then our analytics help them identify if they're having some customer issues. It led them to fix those customer issues and then see a 43 point increase 
uh, over a period of six months in their NPS, which is just amazing. Uh, so they're able to drive some really, really loyal customers by making, by using data, by using uh, Pendo data and apply that to some product changes. So some really awesome things we've been able to do uh, with some of our customers. So I'm really proud of those accomplishments. I'm really proud of the team we have. I mean, we have such a great group of people. It's awesome to work with them day in and day out. Uh, and then if you look at our overall results we've been able to deliver, you know, just great growth rates. We're one of the fastest success companies ever. Okay. And so my, my, and actually my next question was about how, I mean, I know you, you guys interact with a lot of these product managers and I'm sure you hear a lot of maybe wild ideas about what they would want to see in the future, but are there any developments that, that maybe somebody comes up with that, or they ask for, and it seems a little too ambitious for this year or for this version, like maybe in a later version, or maybe in a couple of years down the road, we could do that. But that might be too much to do today. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. I mean, our customers have some great feedback, great ideas for our product. But I'd say our, our product team's really aggressive about integrating in anything that's a great idea moving forward. And obviously, we have minimum, you know, we, we don't have infinite resources. Uh, we're well-funded, you know, we raised over 58 million. So we, we do have a, a good bit of resources, but they aren't infinite. Uh, so we can't always do everything today, uh, but any great idea our customers come to us with, we definitely figure out, okay, how can we, how can we work this into our product? When can we get it out there? Uh, if it's going to improve, you know, one customer's life, it's likely to improve, you know, all customers' lives. And it really just goes back to that, you know, we want to make product managers, product teams' lives better. So if we can do it, we're going we're gonna to get it in there. Understood. Understood. And so for Pendo itself, what does the roadmap look like for you guys over the next 12 to 24 months? Oh, let's see. Roadmap for us over the next 12 to 24 months. You know, we're doing, we've been doing a lot of, you know, cool things. We continue to improve our in-app NPS. I mean, that's been a big push of ours. We've won't. We've recently added things like goals and trends. You can think of goals as great. Like you launch a feature, right? So goals, you know, are a way to measure the measure your usage against the results you're expecting, your goals. So that some of the stuff we're doing there is super exciting. Uh, integrating the web and mobile experience, right? Because applications aren't just one screen anymore. They're multi-screen. So the work we're doing there is super exciting, I think, too. Uh, you know, those are just some areas we've been improving the product. It's Cool stuff. I'm excited about it. Okay. And, and what would be the big takeaway you'd want our listeners to get from hearing about Pendo and exploring Pendo? What's the big thing that they should be focused on? I, I mean, I think if I'm one of your listeners, specifically if I'm a product manager or a software product manager or someone building uh, software, maybe I'm a, a digital officer at, at you know a larger corporate company. Uh, if I'm one of those people, what I'm thinking is, hey, what I'd love them to take away, I guess, is uh, it would be cool to check out Pendo. They're one of the few companies out there who's purely focused on product managers and product teams. They have a pretty robust platform, uh, and I would invite them all to uh, see it for themselves. Check out a demo of the product. I would love to have uh, their feedback, see what they think. Okay, and, and what would be the best way for all of these folks to get in contact with you and with the company and just engage? Sure. So they can check us out at www.pendo.io. Uh, there they can get, you know, request a demo of the product. Uh, they can also follow us on Twitter at Pendo.io. So 
they can follow us there. They can follow me. I, I write a good bit or I tweet a good bit about product management. I'm just uh, at eBodic, E-B-O-D-U-C-H. And then we also have a site that's not Pendo specific, but that we support a lot called ProductCraft. It's productcraft.com. Uh, and it's all geared around providing content, information, guidance, best practices to product managers. So it's really independent of Pendo. It's just a resource that we help provide uh, to make product managers' lives better. And now, is that was that uh, another resource that was kind of born the way Pendo was, where we need to have a go-to spot for this type of information or these types of resources? Absolutely. It was a way for us to be able to give back. So you just want to help product managers have access to more information, more content, more best practices. And we've even added, you know, mentions this uh, a podcast called Product Love that I host. Uh, you can search Product Love. It's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes. I think it's on Stitcher now. The product of the podcast. I just uh, spend time interviewing authors, speakers, VPs of product from different companies, uh, and publish every two weeks there. So, product club. Okay, cool. Well, well, thank you, Eric, for coming on, and we thank you for your time and your expertise. Like, we really enjoyed it. Thank you. This was fun. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.